Lights out and welcome back to the Finishing First Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Frank Skrzewski at the F609. We have a very big show today recapping not only the Canadian Grand Prix, but we do have a very special guest. Mr. Sean Hutton is joining us. Uh, Sean, let me cut to you first before we get to Mike here. How you doing? Oh, excited to be on. Been waiting to come on this pod for weeks. Uh, really excited to get the opportunity to come on and really talk F1 with with two knowledgeable hosts such as you, yourself and Michael. Wow. Well, you know, we couldn't be uh, more excited to have you here. Uh, let me kick it to my usual co-host, Mr. Michael O'Byrne from Louisville, Kentucky. Mr. Mike, how are you? Doing great, Frank. Vamos, 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 amigos, all the way up to 333rd place in the pool standings. It's good to have everybody here. Sean, maybe not for the the best of reasons, but we're glad we have him here anyway. Ole, 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 ole. Sean, we're not sure if you actually mean that, and we'll get to it in a little bit. Wow. I don't even know if we should talk US Open, but not the result either of us wanted, unfortunately. No, yeah. It's, it's weird because, you know, Amigos took Scheffler, finished T2, and then I took Rory. Oh, I'll save that for later. But, uh, you know, you, you finished T2, only one person beat you, obviously, but you still kind of feel like you lost. Didn't get the W, especially with the way Scotty played all weekend. So why don't we get right into this? Uh, what we are discussing is a season-long golf pool that the three of us split a team in. Uh, there's something like about 600. So I think it's like 700 as well. I think it's like exactly. over 700. Yeah. 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 Some ridiculous golf pool that we are in that um, pays out quite a hefty purse. So we did it last year, the three of us splitting the entry fee and finishing in the money. Going into our second season off the high of cashing out, I thought we made a pact to continue and keep team order status quo. Michael, is that the case? It appears not. It appears uh, It appears Sean went a little bit rogue to our dismay. The word lied could be thrown around. Could be. We're not going to throw it out, but we could. And yeah, it, it appears as if Sean has another entry in the pool under uh, under an alias. Sean, I'll, I'll let you get into kind of what your logic and, and reasoning was in entering Mr. Maple, who is the alias that, uh, that Sean submits under. Yeah. What was actually leading the pool for, uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So obviously, uh, super disappointing. I can definitely tell you, I was super hot at work on my phone, not paying attention to what I was supposed to be doing, but I'll, uh, I'll let Sean, uh, say his piece. So Sean, uh, why don't you start with explaining your logic as to why you created the separate entry? I mean, it was honestly, wasn't anything I planned like ahead of time. Like I know you guys probably think I was, I really was the night before it was that Wednesday night, January 5th, the night before the first tournament of the year, the tournament of champions in Hawaii. And I don't know. I just thought uh, I was talking with Meg and Meg's my wife for those who don't know. And I thought, you know, let's, do you want to get an entry? And, and she kind of looked at me and said, yeah, I'm pretty interested. I was like, yeah, I kind of want to have a little, uh, you know, entry of our own. So I emailed her, our esteemed commissioner of this pool and asked him if there were any more entries. Uh, he told me, you know, he, he did have some time for entries, but get it in ASAP. So I pretty much just put it in, uh, immediately just put my pick in, didn't really think about it too much, but of course, as you two are well aware, it ended up being Cameron Smith, 
who was our number two, I think. O'Byrne's number one, and, and it was really my number two. I think Frank's number two as well. And we decided to go with Mark Leishman. And in that first tournament, the Amigos, Mark Leishman, I, I don't know how, how he did. I know it was not well. Cam Smith went on to win the event. And the rest is history from there. Obviously, after that happened, you know, I, was, I couldn't, couldn't tell everyone that I had a, another entry with the winner of that pool. So I kept it quiet, uh, continually picked uh, for the, the remaining weeks and got pretty lucky uh, throughout the, the rest of the year up until last week. Do you feel as if uh, since that moment, there's definitely been some, some bad karma placed on the Mr. Maple entry? I believe you've missed two cuts since that moment, um, as well as a disappointing finish from Rory this week. Definitely some bad karma for Mr. Maple. Uh, and I, I think conversely, some good karma for the Amigos, I would say, uh, with the Amigos coming out with a win and a T2 in the two weeks since you've both found out. Uh, definitely not feeling too great about Mr. Maple's karma at the current state, but hoping that the apology tonight and the ensuing sanctions will hopefully rectify that uh, as much as possible. Why don't we get into that now, Sean? Sean's prepared a... Uh... Can I just speak? Oh, sure, um, Frank. Did you really throw your wife under the bus? on this one well i will say megan did split the entry she put actually venmoed me 150 dollars to so the entry is 300 and she actually did split it with me so whatever does come out of this half of it is going to her i mean it's kind of all the same but is it because if whatever does come out of this we're only taken from your half this has nothing to do with fellow pool member megan hutton yeah uh, that, that's fine all right, everybody. So I've, I've prepared a press release. I really put a lot of thought into this and, and hope everyone listening really appreciates it. Uh, I'm really put, put my heart into this. So this is an announcement regarding the Trace Amigos. During the last few weeks, it has come to light that I, Sean Hutton, have duped and deceived my fellow Trace Amigos team members for the entirety of the 2022 PGA season. I would like to take this time to come clean. I have owned and operated my own entry since January 5th, 2022. This entry was named Alan Maple. Alan Maple is one of my neighbors in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Wonderful man. Do not want him to get any bad, bad words on his name because of this. During the last six months, I have made picks every week for this entry without ever informing my Trace Amigos teammates, Francis Krajewski and Michael O'Byrne of my other entry. And I would like to take this time to apologize to Francis Michael, my parents, Craig and Judy, all members of the Scott Linzer Invitational Golf Pool, and all members of the No Reggie group chat. I acted recklessly and without respect for my team. I put myself above the team, and for that, I wholeheartedly apologize. I hope Francis and Michael can find it in their hearts to forgive me. I will not let this mistake define who I am in the Scott Linzer Golf Invitational. I promise to bounce back with integrity in class that I have not displayed this year, and I ask you all to pre please respect my privacy during this trying time. God bless and good luck to all. Wow. Very well written. I, I, I do appreciate the apology, Sean, um, whether it was forced or not. Yeah, just a couple things to unpack here. I did not apologize to the F1 pool. Did not apologize to the, F1, uh, the Finishing First podcast audience. Um, also did not apologize to God. Which is probably um, that the is true. One, um, that he might I need to that. apologize to. Yeah. So um, just take those two in count, Mike, when you're uh, reading our uh, decision. Yeah. 
no, it'll certainly be taken into account. And it's certainly going to be a tumultuous offseason for the Trace Amigos, regardless of the outcome of both the Allen Maple entry as well as the Trace Amigos entry. So uh, certainly going to to take the time this offseason to reevaluate kind of where the Trace Amigos stand and if, if we'll be moving forward into 2023. I think at this point I would like to, but we, we have a lot of things to work through as a team. So Sean, uh, as, as we said, that, thanks for the, for the, the apology. Thanks for your statement. We'll get into the sanctions now. Uh, uh, the first sanction is that you will have to tweet that notes app from your main Twitter account, uh, wow. tagging both myself and Francis Frujewski with the, with the tweet text of please respect my privacy at this time. <laughs> Hashtag finishing first pod. Hashtag finishing first pod. Done. Here's where we get into the tough sanction, Sean. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I have a, uh, a question here. What's the type of check you're willing to cut here to have this go away? <laughs> I mean, that depends on where Alan Maple finishes. Well, you, you don't have that foresight currently. So what's the, what's the check you're willing to cut? That's, this is where this all boils down to. Yeah, I, I'm not really willing to cut any check. Mike, continue with sanctions, please. Sean, the last sanction is if in the event that Alan Maple does cash in the Windsor Invitational, um, you have to refund Frank and my entry fee for this year. Only only if Alan cashes. That one I can agree to. See, you were willing to cut a check. Yeah, that, that I, I'm okay with that. That's all you had to say. That, that I'm fine with. In the spirit of teamwork, I will allow it because I really want to see the Amigos succeed. I still... I can't believe you think you think this is going to happen. In some alternate universe, I still think the Amigos can cash. No shot. We're hot. If Jordan wins this week, we're hot. If the Amigos... I think the Amigos have to win the British Open, I would say. But if they win the, the, the Open, I think it is definitely possible they could cash. We could cash. I just believe in us, guys. Vamos amigos. All right, we'll go right into our review of the Canadian Grand Prix. The Canadian Grand Prix offered a, a little bit of an interesting practice with free practice three getting extremely wet. Uh, it caused some drivers to shoot up the standings in free practice due to the concerns, I would say, of uh, other top teams, maybe some uh, more careful driving on the grid uh, ahead of qualifying later this afternoon. That afternoon, excuse me. Uh, we will move right into qualifying. Qualifying results in a wet, dry track. Saw Max Verstappen take pole, his first ever pole at the Canadian Grand Prix. Fernando Alonso rounding out the top line, coming in second. Carlos Sainz in third. Lewis Hamilton in fourth. Kevin Magnussen in fifth. Mick Schumacher, his fellow driving teammate, to follow in sixth. Esteban Akon in seventh. George Russell, 8th, Daniel Ricciardo, ninth, and Guan Yu Zhou in 10th. Mike, uh, qualifying showed us some different things. Kind of a our first mixed-up starting grid of the season. What were your uh, initial thoughts on qualifying? There was so much water on the track. Like, so, so, so much water on the track. And you, you can't help but think that it impacted kind of the starting positions of what happened. Uh, as a Max Verstappen backer this week, I was bugging out the whole time just because when there's that much water on the track you don't really know what's going to happen 
Yes, as you said, there was a lot of water on their track. I didn't seem to see any rain at times, though, which made it quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Later played into a call by George Russell to go to slick tires in Q3. It didn't really pay off as he uh, spun it out and ended up in the wall, not damaging the Mercedes to any degree, but just going after it with the slick tires to see if he could hold grip on the dry line. Uh, Some surprises going out in Q1 included Pierre Gasly, my selection, on the week, somebody who finished very high in P3, along with Sebastian Vettel, our most taken driver on the grid this session with, I think, around 12 picks. Lance Stroll and Nicholas Latifi, the two hometown boys, not making out of Q1 as well. And Yuki Sonoda. No, he took an engine penalty, and then, like, he just didn't come out. I think, honestly, Frank, that's something that we need to discuss, whether it be now or a little bit later in the show, about why Yuki and... Charles both started P19 and P20. The my impression was that these guys that were taking power unit penalties were taking 10 spot penalties from where they qualify and it just appeared that both of them were under the impression they were starting at the back. Uh Charles was taking a full 20 spot penalty. So to my knowledge of the regulations, it's every time you take one item over the allotment with most of these engines, they're going to replace the whole engine, which is an MG UK, um, the power unit, and a few other things that are allotted. So they take all of them at once to just maximize the penalty and start in last because it's not worth starting in 10th. Yeah. Because the same thing is going to happen. That's, to my knowledge, how it was. That's especially how it was for Leclerc because Leclerc would have only got hit with a 10, but he purposely got hit with a 20 because then once he took the 30 and 40, it didn't matter. He was already stopped. He was already starting at the back. Yeah. And my, my understanding of the reason why they decided to do that was because there are a lot more overtaking opportunities at this track in Montreal rather than when he would have had to take those additional penalties next or not next week, but the next race at Silverstone, which is very well known for not being a place where you can overtake all that much. So he wanted to give himself the best opportunity to get as high in the pack as he could starting from that P20 position. Correct. And yeah, some of those uh, parts that he replaced, he might be able to reuse uh, later in the season if something were to go wrong with his engine and might not have to take a full penalty. So that'll be something to look out for as well. Going into Q2, uh, who did not make it into Q3, Valtteri Bottas coming in 11th. Uh, That was a big surprise to not see the Finn make it into Q3 qualifying. Alex Albon uh, put on a good performance for the Williams, but wasn't able to make out. Sergio Perez, the big story of Q2, not making it out in 13th. Lando Norris didn't put up a time, um, and I believe crashing. And Charles Leclerc did not even go out and try. Yeah, I mean, once once he once they knew they were going to take that penalty, I'm not even sure why he went out in Q1. To be completely honest, if they knew they were just going to start at the back, he actually because he did make it into Q2, he had a better time than Yuki Sonoda, so theoretically he could have started P19 if he wanted to, um, but yeah, chose not to do that. Um, yeah, Lando was having some weird issues um, in both Q1 in Q1 and just made the decision really not to come out until the last couple of laps of Q2. 
So, yeah, I mean, super disappointing, obviously like a really bad week for Sergio Perez, just in general. And it started in qualifying. It was just a weird qualifying. A lot of guys had deleted laps for exceeding track limits just because of how wet it was out there. Um, there was a dry line that started to make itself apparent like seven minutes into Q1, but everybody with the, as you alluded to earlier, with the exception of uh, George Russell decided to stay either on the extreme wet or the intermediate tires um, just to make sure that they were posting lap times. And pretty much the second George Russell went to slicks, he went right into the wall. So. Yeah, it seemed it wasn't an easy uh, race to be had on the dry, wet um, track condition. Sergio Perez puts it in the wall with about 10 minutes remaining, causes a red flag. He can't get out. Uh, a lot of people were screaming about the fact that he couldn't put it in reverse. I don't believe that was the case. His car was just stuck. Yeah, like his he found front, reverse. His front wing was he just couldn't stuck go in the in. barrier. Yeah, he just couldn't move. It, the, it, it, I've ever, I've been in a fender vendor when the guy says pull reverse, and I'm like, okay, well, I have to pull your bumper off to get my car out of yours. But he was stuck and um, out in Q2. Moving right along to Q3, as I alluded to earlier, George Russell was the only driver to come out in slick tires. After um, what is about 45 minutes of racing on qualifying, George Russell saw the dry line. As I said, there was no rain in the area, but the track still had a lot of water. George Russell made about four or five turns and then ended up in the grass pretty easily. He was able to salvage the Mercedes and get back racing, but it didn't matter by then. He was going to finish uh, where he posted his uh, time at. Carlos Sainz. Uh, Not clutch. If you want to say that, I think that's the best he could have done. He was truly he was one tenth head one tenth ahead going into the final sector and he just blew it. Like he had you might he he was I I, I feel you on that, but we're talking about two cars that finished above him that do the exact same thing. They go fast in a straight line. Yeah. The Ferrari is not looking to go fast in a straight line. They've taken a different approach towards their twenty twenty two car, and that is high speed turning. Um, they've really enjoyed the arrow in that car and how they can move around quickly, but they were always going to be slow coming down that final stretch there in Canada with the chicane, um, and the two long straights to follow. So I do think he did maybe the best he can, especially given the, um, aforementioned LeCorc 22nd penalty that to start the race, I think he put it as close to the top as he needed to be. He kept it on track, and that's what he needed to do was to be the front runner for his team in the race that followed qualifying. Yeah, front runner for his team, but not on the front row because although I'm saying Carlos Sainz is not clutch, you know who is clutch, Frank? Fernando Alonso. Really taking that last push lap, ma making the most of it, and finishing P2, getting on the front row for the race. Um, Another shout out to Joe Guan Yu. His first Q3 made it uh made it into Q3 and P7 promptly was very happy to be there and started the race P10. Finished dead last in Q3. You've seemed to be giving him the Nicholas Latifi treatment uh, of late about him finishing races. I do think he's had a very bad string of bad luck. That's easy to say for somebody who rips on Carlos Sainz pretty frequently for not finishing races and uh, experiencing bad luck, but I do think there's a decent driver in Joe Guan Yu, and I believe that if Alpha can figure out their internal problems with this vehicle, both the Botas and Joe could uh, be seeing uh, more frequent appearances in the points here to follow. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, just some other notes from qualifying. The Alpines and the Haases, like, put on a show. They looked really fast in comparison to what they were the beginning of the year, and a lot of really positive things uh 
to be said about Mercedes. Uh, they did swap out the floor of their car, which we were waiting for them to do. And it, it seemed to really, really help with the bouncing issues that they were having. And it showed um, in qualifying with Lewis Hamilton uh, starting the race P4. As we mentioned before, George Russell starting P8, but that was more because of the tire decision that he that he made and less because of the car not being fast. Uh, and that, that'll be kind of a theme that we talk about moving on for the rest of the day. But um, Mercedes might've figured it out. We thought they did in Barcelona and then they promptly reverted back to not figuring it out. So, but I think this time I'm going to say they figured it out. We can continue to talk about Mercedes figuring it out, not figuring it out, but they've continued to stay on the track and find points. And that's all what it is all about as they make this push towards a, a constructor's I guess, move up into second place to try to fight uh, with Ferrari there. As always, we will take you right into the race results. Max Verstappen taking his maiden pole in Canada and turning it into a first place finish for 25 points. Carlos Sainz giving a great fight back to Max and coming in second for the Ferraris. Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, the Mercedes 1-2 finishes in 3-4. Charles Leclerc coming all the way back from 20th on the grid to finish 5th. Esteban Akon, Valtteri Bottas, Zhou Guan Yu, Fernando Alonso in 9th, and Lance Stroll, the hometown boy, in 10th. Fernando Alonso actually finished his race in 7th, taking a 5-second penalty and dropping to 9th after the fact. Um, so that bumped up the two Alfa Romeo cars and got them into the 7-8 spot. Mike, just initial here before we go into our review, your thoughts. Um, Beautiful racetrack. Not maybe the most beautiful racing. I think uh, we really hyped up, or not we, but I think there was a lot of hype coming into this race that there was going to be a lot of overtaking and a lot of really good racing. And I don't know that we necessarily got that. Right on top of the race start, uh, Max Verstappen gets away to uh, take the lead, followed by Fernando Alonso and Carlos Sainz. Kevin Magnussen and Lewis Hamilton get into a little tiff, causing Kevin Magnussen to suffer damage to his front wing. Um, This wing then got mushroom flagged, as I believe they were calling it, and which alerted him to come into the pits for a force pit shot due to a vehicle being dangerous on the track. Um, he came back out in 20th and basically lost the any chance of a race from that. Somebody who did not suffer the same fate was Charles Leclerc coming from 20th all the way to 5th. Impressive drive to come all the way up. I know there didn't seem like there was a ton of overtaking in the race, but that was somebody who certainly went after overtakes, uh, maybe got held up at times and thought he could have finished uh, maybe above the Mercedes, but it was a great race for Charles to uh, come from last all the way up to fifth. Yeah, no, definitely Charles did what he needed to do. I think we knew Charles was going to rise to the top. I don't think he rose as quickly as he thought he was going to. Uh, Charles, the last driver to pit, in the race um i think it took him how many laps to pit it took him until oh something like 42 laps he he didn't he didn't he didn't pit until lap 42 and then ultimately when he was trying to make his push as you were mentioning to try and get on the podium or into that uh, above the mercedes um he he just didn't have the he just didn't have the tires to do it he went on a one pit stop too hard uh too hard strategy and 
it, it, it was a good drive. I think the sentiment was that he could have done better, but I mean, fin- starting P20, like, what are you, what are you going to do? I mean, he has one of, if not the fastest cars on the track and he started P20 and finished P5. So like success in my book. Absolutely. It was a uh, gutsy drive from somebody that needs to perform in a race like this. And I think he certainly did. Gasly and Vettel both take early pit stops during the race. I'm not sure why. It seems like both of them were having issues with uh, maybe tire grip on a, a certain tire that they needed to change out. This obviously hurt my selection of Gasly and most people's selection of Vettel as Vettel uh, immediately dropped back and didn't really have anything to show for after the race. Yet, with Kevin Magnussen dropping down and Sergio Perez having an engine failure in lap 9 being called to retire, there was the door open to the possibility of different drivers performing, especially drivers that did not qualify well considering that Kevin Magnuson might not be somebody that would always be up top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you mentioned Kevin Magnuson, uh, a really tough week for the Haas team. Uh, they qualified really well, and they had some aspirations of scoring some double points. Mick Schumacher uh, getting his first uh, uh, Formula One points, that obviously did not happen for either of the Haases. I would say if there was one team that was the biggest disappointment this week. It was the Haas. Uh, there were a couple of other teams that also had major disappointments in the Alpha Tauris. Al- uh, Pierre Gasly, as you mentioned, having that uh, having that early pit stop and just like never really recovering from it, finishing P14 and uh, Yuki Sonoda doing the Yuki Sonoda thing and uh, not finishing a race. So tough week for the Alpha Tauris. Yeah, that's correct, Mike. It seems like uh, the Haases would be the losers of the weekend, uh, including the McLarens and the Alpha Towers as well. Three teams that I necessarily wouldn't think to place as losers during any race week. Uh, they all have uh, pretty strong vehicles and decent drivers, I believe, that can score points. But um, that's the way the chips fall occasionally um, during these races. And it happened to not be their weekends. As you alluded to earlier, Yuki Sonoda has one of the better Yuki Sonoda moments where he drives out of the pits and immediately just crashes into the wall. Doesn't even get out of the pit lane officially after a lap 50 pit stop. Right around lap 43, uh, the fireworks started to come out where we saw most of what would be the interest in the race. Max Verstappen pits. He comes out in third place behind Lewis Hamilton with Carlos Sainz leading the race. Max noticeably upset on team radio, uh, asking why the pit stop was not timed better. Uh, His engineer sitting back that he didn't have the pace with the tires. So, you know, you can do what you want with that. Max was also talking about how bad his tires were for 10 laps before that. So, And then is surprised why he ends up Um, coming out in P3. That didn't mean much because Lewis Hamilton immediately pitted uh, two laps later uh, with Max technically passing him, but Lewis was coming into the pits because he was going to suffer the same fate. This allowed Max Verstappen to continue up and put pressure on Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz takes a pit stop on the Yuki Tsunoda crash with the safety car. Um, He does not lose as much time on the pit stop, but he does lose track position to Max Verstappen. He comes out with fresher tires, and now we are racing in Canada. Max Verstappen and Carlos Sainz had themselves a battle. Sainz getting close at times, um, almost once. It seems like uh, what maybe 
three laps left in the race that he really tried to throw it. Um, he just missed his spot and completely actually flubbed the overtake attempt. But it, this is the first signs that you got of Carlos Sainz trying to make a move and really showing some grit and performance for the Ferrari. It was, uh, if ever, it looked like his best, best opportunity to win a race. But that being said, Max Verstappen put on an absolute clinic. Yeah, no, it, it was really good racing down the stretch because I was definitely on the edge of my seat wondering whether Carlos Sainz was going to pass Max Verstappen or not. Ultimately, came down to the straight line speed of the uh, Red Bull. The Ferrari just wasn't able to get by him. And also, we've talked about Carlos potentially not pushing that Ferrari to its limits and, and being more aggressive on the racetrack. What I will say, Frank, you and I almost had to eat a ton of crow. We were we stated on our last podcast that Carlos Sainz would not win a race the rest of the season. And not only that, if Carlos comes out of that race and he wins, not only do we have to eat crow for Carlos Sainz winning a race, but eh, we kind of still have to eat some crow for uh, saying Lewis Hamilton is by far the second driver on this Mercedes team when he gets a podium. And George Russell still uh, finishes, uh, continues his top five uh top five streak, but Lewis Hamilton looked really good in this race. Yeah, I would have liked to seen if Russell not starting as far back on the grid on Sunday mattered and to really see some racing out of the two. They were both pretty separate by finishing at least five seconds separate. So neither of them really had the opportunity. There seemed to be on different strategies. There was only a few uh, other battles closing in the gap here at the end of the race. Uh, Fernando Alonso being verbally upset with Esteban Ocon and not being allowed to pass him as he believed he had more pace. You do see a unique top 10 there with both Alfa Romeos being in there um, and Aston Martin that isn't Sebastian Vettel being in there and uh, Charles Leclerc being in fifth. So a lot to unpack. Like you said, the Mercedes uh, 3-4 and it not being George Russell ahead of Lewis Hamilton is a unique sign. Crazy that that's a unique sign for this season, but um, that's the way it's been. Any final thoughts here, Mike, on the Canadian Grand Prix? Um, I seem to enjoy the circuit. It seemed like the people of Canada were um, really excited to be there. Yeah, I, I would say at the end of the race, I think, as I alluded to earlier, I I don't think we got like a ton of the what we were told about this track. I think it's a great track. I like watching it. It's visually really, really cool. Um, but not a, not as many overtakes as I thought we were going to see. I, ironically, one of like the cleanest starts we've seen of uh, of the season with a lot of room to try and do some squirrely things, but we had a really clean start to the to the race. Uh, we talked a little bit about Lando, Lan or actually, I don't think we've talked about Lando Norris yet, so cut that. But um, Lando Norris, uh, a disappointing finish for him, but he was having some engine issues. I, I guess we talked about him not coming out in Q2 of qualifying, but it, it seemed like his car issues just continued into the race. Um, it, it's a really cool track from the standpoint of like, it's a, it's a street circuit, but it plays more like a standalone circuit with how much room people have to, to work in there. I guess a, a, another important note, they announced prior to the race that Pierre Gasly, uh, I guess signed a extension with Alpha Tari and he'll be there in 2023. Um, so he'll be with the Alpha Tari team. Um, I think that's about actually, I guess, Mick Schumacher, just like do better. Yeah, definitely. We uh, talked the last episode about 
some potential movements in the market here in the 2023 grid. Mick Schumacher and Nikos Latifi seem to be only trending downward. Oscar Piastri's name has been all over all media. I think that might just be a great job by his agent to continue to have his name mentioned um, as a, uh, someone who's not really racing um, all year as a reserve driver for the Alpines. But Nicholas Latifi and Mick Schumacher have continued their downward trend. Mick is definitely, um, well, he's costing more than he's worth right now. And that's a that's a big problem. Uh, they can deal with engine failures and things out of his nature. But when he's continuing to crash and cause problems, it's just not worth the name value anymore. Especially when he put the Haas in a good position. And other drivers can do that. Um, Antonio Giovinazzi being one of them, who is their current reserve driver. So you might uh, see something as we've uh, come to learn. This is what is being called the silly season of F1. It's when uh, teams and drivers make different moves, have different forecasts in their future, and what um, starts to shake out on the paddock itself. So it'll definitely be something to continue to watch. All right, we'll go right into our standings review. Our new leader, my co-host, Mr. Michael O'Byrne, with his aforementioned Max Wild card, taking 37 points at the Canadian Grand Prix and jumping up into first place. Followed behind is Sean Hutton, our guest this evening, Liam Callahan in third, Nicholas Rollo in fourth, Corey Cook in fifth, Evan Pendergrass in sixth, Tom Riccardi in seventh, Gino in eighth, yours truly in ninth, and Daniel Shuck in tenth. Mike, a great weekend for you with a wild card. Uh, explain your thought process quickly. My thought process is when are you ever going to get to take the top racer on the grid without his top competition directly behind him? And Charles was starting P20, and I have taken Max already in the first race of the season, got a DNF out of him. Um, I previously stated on our last podcast that I was going to be looking for value here, but situations changed. Charles took his penalty and uh, I had to adjust. I felt like if, if not now, when, and to be completely honest, I'm really surprised that nobody else did it. I think if you didn't at least consider it, you should have. Um, and if you see anybody taking grid penalties like this in the future, you should really consider who they're racing in the standings. Um, or who they're normally racing to figure out, can you get some type of advantage from a track position perspective? But big week. I mean, ultimately, the win, the win hits, and that's the most important part. If he finishes P2 there, it blows up in my face, and it's not really the result that I want to get. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a uh, miraculous pick. Honestly, if I wasn't somebody who has some morals, once I saw you do that, I would have just done it myself. But I was kind of locked into taking Stroll at that moment. Turns out I had a few too many beers, saw P3 results, and selected Gasly as a late a last second ad. That did not work out for me. Similarly, did not work out for the people who took Sebastian Vettel, uh, a tough race, especially for most of the pool. Um, I haven't entered that many zeros in a while. Sean, what did you think about Mike's um, decision here? I know uh, we texted a little bit about it, that we were surprised that no one else went with the wild card here. Yeah, no, definitely thought it was a great decision by Mike to use his wild card on Max. Uh, as we all know, Charles accepted a 10-spot engine penalty, and then I think accepted another penalty for swapping out his engine. So he ended up starting, I want to say, 19th on the grid. 
DFL. Yeah, actually took, you know, started last. And how many times are you ever going to find a situation where Charles is starting last? And then obviously Max has won, I think, all but one race that he's finished this year. So I thought that was a great selection. Uh, honestly, wish I did it myself. Uh, unfortunately, can I curse on this spot? Where yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I pushed out. I don't even know if that's cursing, but uh, essentially I just didn't wildcard him because I had already used Max once and I already used a wild card on Charles. So I thought, oh, I'm good. if I use Max and my wild card, I'm going to be done with Max and be done with my wild cards. But in retrospect, obviously, hindsight 2020 after he gets a win, wish I would have taken him because probably not going to end up with that scenario again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was a real dominant performance for Max. Uh, I know Signs was a little bit, you know, it was, it was a good race to the finish. I'll say at the end, probably one of the closer races we've seen. But just me personally watching the race, I really had no doubt that Max was going to win the whole time. Uh, really didn't, couldn't see Carlos overtaking him at the end. Just feel like overall, you know, Max is going to beat Carlos nine times out of 10 when it comes to racing, maybe even 10 out of 10. Now, who did you have this week, Sean? Uh, so I ended up going with fan favorite for Canada, Sebastian Vettel, uh, who went to let down the masses who took him. What a tough break. You know, he looked like he had pace at times and then it kind of all fell apart during the race. Yeah, awful qualifying round for Sebastian. Uh, you know, I think he was even quoted as saying, this is completely different than practice. Uh, I saw him, you know, mention that he was struggling driving in the rain. I think everybody struggled with it, but he seemed to excel in the first couple practices. I think he was, uh, you know, top five, I want to say. And that really surprised me. And I know he has a great history at Canada. Uh, so it really felt like a no-brainer to me. But then to see him qualify 17th was very disappointing. And I, I think he finished 12th or 13th, but really never had a chance after qualifying 17th. Yeah, same thing when I had Gasly. I, I had actually um, Sebastian Vettel's teammate, Lance Stroll, originally selected right before qualifying when I was drunk in Boston. I decided to switch after seeing the uh, P uh, free practice three results and switch to Gasly. And he never really had it in qualifying, either not getting out of uh, Q1 with Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll for that matter. So it really wouldn't have set up after qualifying better. Uh, Stroll actually came out on top with a great performance um, to finish P10 on the race. But overall, uh, it was a big no points week. So when Mike ends up with 37 and a half points on a strong wild card performance, and most people like me and Sean end up with a zero, it, it's got to be really tough and a big swing in the pool. It was a it was a risk to take him, but as Sean allude, alluded to, when else are you going to be able to take Max in a position where he's just not going to be racing Charles? Like, I, I felt like I needed to take advantage of that, and if it didn't work out, I was willing to accept that loss. Um, but it did work out, and Max is going to win more races, so I did what I needed to do with my first wild card. Like, you, you just need to win a race if you're going to take a wild card, and I did that. Now, Sean, uh, moving forward, I'm trying to bring up uh, what you've done so far this season. But what do you feel like? Where do you feel like your selections are going now? Uh, so, I mean, I, I wildcarded Charles at Monaco. Uh, he really went on to let me down. Uh, really, you know, I don't want to blame Charles. I'm going to have to blame the Ferrari team on that one. I feel, like, feel like they really let him down in Monaco, uh, which in turn let me down. So I know I was leading the pool, but I knew that, you know, when you when you wildcard Charles and you don't get a win, uh, it's going to be tough because you're going to have people like O'Byrne wildcarding Max and then, you know, other people wildcard Charles on a win or even a second. Uh, I believe he was fourth in Monaco. So that was a real killer. Uh, but, you know, I, I think I still have uh, Sergio Perez and then a bunch of and the Leclerc. lower. 
and you still have Leclerc because you didn't take him regularly. Yeah, so I've got one one Charles, uh, one probably you know one Max wild card. I would guess uh, you know I still have one wild card to go. Would obviously assume I'm going to use it on Max, but I don't know. And then Sergio Perez, who's shown great form recently, uh, and then a bunch of the lower tier teams. So I think it's really going to come down. I'm going to have to score some points uh, with some of these lower tier guys. Scratch out, you know, some fifth, sixth, you know, at, at the best I can do. Hopefully scratch a win out of Sergio. And then, you know, when I take Charles and Max, going to have to win them. You're just going to have to win those times when you take the those two guys, probably those four times you take them. If you're using a wild card on those two, you're, you're going to need to win probably three of the times if you're expecting to win this pool, I think. Yeah, interesting. You're uh, one of the few people I see here that um, are off of both Mercedes already and Mercedes finding pace now could come into play where they might be some of the outliers who people can find wins on as opposed to you uh, backtracking and trying to find that Sergio win that maybe has already happened for the year. But as I've continued to say on this podcast and me and Mike have alluded to, it's going to be wild cards and then where you find the points. Because eventually, even if this gets down to the last race where everybody now only has a wild card left, and everybody hits on their last wild card, it's still going to come down to where you found points throughout the season on your lower tier guys. So uh, last off, Sean, where do you think uh, you're going to go this upcoming week in um, Great Britain? I know we're going to Silverstone. It's going to be quite the race. A lot of people excited about being in Great Britain for the race, a very historic track uh, with a lot of uh, anticipation. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to gravitate towards those Mercedes, like you mentioned, uh, showing a lot of pace, uh, great results in Canada for, for both those guys. Lewis, uh, with I think his first podium since the first race of the year, uh, which is weird to say about Lewis Hamilton, but I think a lot of people are going to lean towards them being a home race for both of them. And I think I might, you know, I don't know if you consider this a zag, but uh, I think maybe go to Lando Norris. I think I might pivot to the other other Great Britain native, Lando Norris. Uh, I think he actually really struggled last week, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of holding out hope that he is going to come to uh, come to race in Great Britain. And uh, you know, I think something that I did want to mention is I think I'm going to stop paying attention to practices as much. I think uh, when I do pay attention to those practices, a lot of times it throws me off my initial pick, and I take someone who I wasn't even thinking about, who I just took because they had a good practice, didn't really put any thought into it, and then you get a bad result like I did last week. I was on Stroll no matter what this week. Canadian Grand Prix, I don't know if he's going to finish him above P10 all year. And then last minute, I saw that Gasly, and Gasly somebody who you might think can get you into that top five region in any race on uh, just pure driving skill, let alone the car that seems to be able to do it at times. So, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more about uh, kind of throwing away some of the gamesmanship that happens in practice as opposed to who you really think is going to perform in a race. Granted, Lentrell didn't deserve to be there at a home Grand Prix, but it just kind of adds to the narrative. And for whatever reason, it kind of seems to work out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, that's got to learn the lessons the hard way. I think uh, we both learned our lesson this week. So I know this week I will stick to my guns, take Lando. He'll finish 12th and somebody who finishes fifth in practice will probably come through with a podium. That's just how it works. If you want to learn to one other lesson, don't lie to the Amigos. We will get right into our preview of the Britain Grand Prix held at the Silverstone Circuit. It's a historic circuit, Mike, uh, having its first Grand Prix in 1950. We're going to have 52 laps around the circuit. 
Uh, you're looking at about a minute and a half on lap time. Uh, that's the record, at least from Max Verstappen. You'll see a, a race pace a little bit closer to a minute and a half. The schedule for the weekend is as follows. Free practice one on July 1st at 8 a.m. Free practice two to follow at 11 a.m. Free practice three will take place at 7 a.m. on July 2nd. And qualifying um, taking place at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock, excuse me, on Jul Saturday, July 2nd. Um, we will be prepping for the big first birthday of Francis Joseph's. So I don't know how much qualifying I will get to. But I will certainly be laying around hungover, um, hopefully with my in-laws gone, for the race on Sunday, July 3rd at 10 o'clock. Our 2021 results at the Great Britain Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton comes in first, followed by Charles Leclerc and Valtteri Bottas coming in third for the podium. This was the race where Max and Lewis came together. Uh, in, during the first lap, Max retiring, uh, Lewis being able to repair his vehicle, um, take a penalty, a 10-second penalty even, and still finish on top. Uh, he was able to chase down Charles Leclerc at the end of the race and win. So, Mike, what are your initial thoughts of uh, Silverstone and the uh, Britain Grand Prix? My initial thoughts is I just remembered what happened during last year's race, and it's still bullshit. The penalty meant nothing in the grand scheme of things, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, one of the most historic tracks on the F1 circuit, as you uh, as you mentioned earlier, a place that I think people like going to watch a race and a race that people really get up to watch. Um, so yeah, it should be a great week, a great week. A lot of these teams are based in England, so it's kind of like a hometown race for everybody. Um, should be exciting. Absolutely. I believe there was a bunch of new asphalt laid at Silverstone, so uh, the hometown Mercedes team might uh, certainly enjoy that. They seem to have a little bit better grip and uh, a little bit less porpoising on a freshly paved track this weekend in the hairpin at Canada. So it will be interesting to see if a lot of hometown teams and a lot of hometown racers can come through and produce in the U.K., yeah, uh, this track also kind of notorious for, as we mentioned earlier, not being able to really do a ton of overtaking here. So qualifying be that much more important this week. Um, but again, a, a really cool racetrack and uh, a race I'm looking forward to watching. So heading into the British Grand Prix, I think I'm going to look somewhere deep down on the grid. I believe this is going to be a throwaway week for me. I'm targeting a Mick Schumacher. I'm not really sure why, but could this be the race that he actually does produce? Um, if not, maybe uh, closing out my Williams selections in the Alex Albon. I'll certainly pay attention to see if there's any grid penalties or any free practice information to be had, but I, I'm pretty solid on looking towards the bottom of the grid. That being said, I totally flip-flopped last week, so who knows what I'm... Um, don't take my word for it. As a race outlook, I believe um, this is Charles Leclerc's race to make a statement back in the championship. This is his opportunity. It's a racetrack that I believe will suit the Ferrari and their um, downforce levels and what they've done with the 2022 car. Maybe some upgrades will play into the fact him, have, uh, him having a fresh engine will play a factor as well, starting next to Max as opposed to all the way down the grid will certainly be a confidence boost heading in. So I do think this could be a maybe Ferrari lockout 
of the top two. Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a fair assumption. This seems to be a, a, a track that suits the Ferraris well. Uh, for me, I, I think the number one thing that I'm going to be paying attention to is weather. I think we've learned more than anything over the course of the last couple of weeks that uh, weather, dur- whether it be during qualifying or the race, greatly impacts kind of what's going to happen um, and the unpredictability of what's going to happen. So if we are planning on getting some weather, I think I'm going to go the same route as you, Frank, and kind of uh, throw away this race to a, to a certain extent. If not, I know a lot of people are going to be on Lewis Hamilton this week. Lewis, British guy, coming back, really good history at this track. Tom Riccardi earlier in uh, in an earlier episode of our podcast said that he was predicting that Matt or Lewis was going to win at Silverstone. Um, but the Mercedes are actually looking a lot better, replacing the floor of that car, reducing the bouncing. It it might be hard for me not to take George Russell in this race if. In fact, it is dry. Um, with that being said, I too completely went against what I said I was going to do last week, said I was going to throw away the Canadian Grand Prix and then went max wildcard. So you never know. Obviously going to play attention to free practices. But if you ask me right now, dry track, everything going the way that it should be, I think, I'm, I, think I might be taking my first Mercedes of the year and going George Russell, despite saying that I wasn't going to take him until after the summer break. But it looks like they made the adjustments that they need to make, or at least for now. All right, Mike, that basically closes out our episode here. I'd like to thank Mr. Sean Hutton for coming on, uh, explaining it, apologizing. Well, I don't know if we'll call that an apology, but Mike, anything to close it out here before we get going? Disappointed in Sean. Um, It is what it is. The Amigos are moving forward. Vamos Amigos. As for Alan Maple, the rest of the season will decide his fate. That certainly will. As always, this is at the F609 signing off from the Finishing First podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank my co-hosts once again, Mr. Michael O'Byrne, as well as Sean Hutton for coming on. Like an AirPod into your ear. Push, push. Push, push, F. I still can't believe you didn't tell me. Tell you what? I, 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 I gave you the tools to go confront him. He needed to be confronted. I, I did. I, I did confront him immediately after we got off the Because I gave you the tools. I feel like I should have done earlier. What was I going to tell you now? And then you're going to have a mental breakdown on the podcast? Um, no.